This is Transistor.fm. Should we do the intro? Feels weird doing it in this time. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need... Maybe we should do it just so to give people a sense of order in their lives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. sure. All right. <clears throat> hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your... Oh, damn it. Hit the mic. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app during a pandemic. <laughs> I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. You can check us out online at transistor.fm. Wow. It is. What, what a difference a week makes? I don't know. Yeah. Two weeks? Two weeks, yeah. Yeah, and it felt weird publishing last week's episode. I, I know a lot of people enjoyed it with uh, Marie Poulin, but we needed kind of a buffer because, you know, things had really just become real here in North America. And it's March 23rd today. And uh, yeah, feels like a good time for us to check in, see how things are going. How, how are things in Chicago? Are things locked down there yet? They are, well, it depends what you mean by lockdown. Yeah, that's um, actually, by the way, just a sidebar that we should come back to. One of the challenges in navigating all this has been terminology, but continue. Right. So, um, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, the governor the governor of Illinois issued a stay-at-home order uh, last week, which isn't really enforceable in any way yet. Okay. But it's basically stay-at-home unless you're going to the store or somewhere essential and don't congregate in groups. Don't hang out outside in groups. You can go for a walk if you want. You can get outside, but you can't just like hang out together in groups. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's mostly what people were doing, although some people were not. I mean, it's weird. Like I certainly haven't been outside that much. Um, I have a feeling it'll get worse and there's going to be stricter measures before it gets better, but mm. that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Because here it's still, um, yeah, people are being told to stay at home. People are being told to social distance, to not meet in groups. I think it's still not meet in groups uh, bigger than 50, but at the the same time saying basically, you know, when you're out, keep your distance from people, work at home if you can, schools are closed, and yep. uh, bars, restaurants, barbershops, those things are all closed. But restaurants can still do takeout. Uh, so, yeah, we're recording this on the 23rd. Yeah. And this stuff, obviously, the news is moving fast. So I don't I don't know what it's going to be like next week or even tomorrow by the time this comes out. It's- yeah. I mean, that's part of the. I think that's part of the what's interesting about recording podcasts is they become this snapshot in time. I, I've listened to a few podcasts that were clearly recorded before any of this hit North America, and it's just yeah. surreal. And then I've now, now a few people have started to release episodes that, you know, are more recently recorded. Yeah. It's, it's interesting seeing everyone kind of wake up, not at the exact same time, but, I mean, I felt like I was a little bit ahead of the curve, but not by much, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, you know, maybe I was, I was like 
fully woken up for a couple days before it seemed like other people in my my environment were kind of waking up. So it's not like people have woken up pretty fast, it seems. Uh, you know, there's definitely examples of like, you know, spring break on in Florida and stuff that right. is not great, but... Yeah, it's a it's a super weird time. Uh, it it is. I mean, it's yeah. I was I was talking to some friends, and I'm like, we're we are certainly living through history, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think anything like this has really happened in a while. Yeah, certainly not like this. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to know what to say, honestly, because <laughs> there's just so many moving parts to this. But mm-hmm. um, it's like it's it's hard to it's hard to focus on transistor and get anything done. I mean, aside from helping out customers, like it feels weird to sit down and try to write a bunch of code Mm -hmm. and it's, it's been hard to do that and focus on it. Um, when there's all these other people out there like suffering and their businesses are hurting or there's people out there who are working in the hospitals and, you know, contributing to like trying to make this thing better. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a little, I think it's a little hard to know what to do. And I, I would imagine there's a lot of people in that same position. I mean, I can obviously just sit around at home and like play video games and watch Netflix, but what is that going to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird because it's not, it's, you can't just work right now. It's almost impossible because there's just so much going on and, and it's also hard to make plans or move towards in in a in a given direction when every day you wake up and that day is different completely different than the day that was before right Uh, yeah and you know just you see these things coming in waves almost like you can see these effects kind of rippling through society and then eventually rippling towards you (laughs) and um (laughs) Like just now we're starting to hear of people in Vernon getting sick. And, you know, so for a while it was like, well, why are we doing this? Nobody's getting sick. And then, you know, the 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 people in town start getting sick. And it's like, oh wow. And, you know, but it still hasn't no one that I know in my immediate circle has gotten sick yet, but that's gonna happen. Right. And but what has happened even faster than people getting sick is people losing their jobs, and people like a lot of my friends have lost their business or have maybe well definitely lost a bunch of revenue, and that is I just could not believe how fast that happened. I know it's pretty amazing how how fast that stuff's happening for restaurants and coffee shop, basically the service industry. It's just like just collapsed immediately. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really weird to know how to help. I mean, I keep getting emails from restaurants I've ordered from or movie theaters I've been to or whatever. They're like donate to our fund to help our employees Yeah, because it's like, and you can't do that for everyone. I mean, you can order takeout delivery and help out, but you can't, it'd be nice to be able to donate to everyone, but you just can't. So I don't, yeah, it's it's sad to think that like maybe you have already been to out to eat at your restaurant for the last time ever that you liked, like your favorite restaurant might never open again mm-hmm. or in the same way that it, that it was. 
but yeah, it happens. I mean, the, the margins on restaurants are so low that I don't, they obviously don't have just like money sitting around. Yeah. That how fragile they are. And I, you know, when this first started hitting there, there, there's, a, a tension between two things, which is on one hand, there was all this social pressure for restaurants to shut down. And on the other hand, they're like, <laughs> some of these restaurants are like, if I shut down, I will lose everything I've worked yeah. for up to 10 years. And some of them were still within the boundaries of what the government had said was okay. And you know, even today, there's some that are trying to stay alive with takeout and delivery, but just how even like the the multi-dimensional difficulty of on one hand having a a group of your customers that are judging you for even doing delivery and takeout. And then on the other hand, just having to figure out all the logistics of that, getting your store online. And I've been like as soon as it started hitting, I had people messaging me, four or five local businesses saying, Can you please help us figure this out? And I've been like trying to help them using the tools that they have, uh, Square and Weebly and Squarespace and all these things. And I'm just realizing how difficult this is. And part of it is the tools just aren't really there yet. Like, they're, I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but it, so the, the user experience of some of these apps just makes me angry right now because the same questions keep coming to me from restaurants and and then like for example just a quick example so people are like okay i need to make switch my store online and they've been using square as their point of sale and so square just bought weebly <laughs> and so the idea is that you should be able to flip a switch and just you know all the stuff all of the items you have loaded in your your square point of sale device on your iPad should then just be able to automatically go up onto your online store. Right. And just, it's not that easy. And guess the, the biggest place where they get stuck is DNS, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, so they were using a, it's a Squarespace site uh -huh. and now they've got to, they've got to update their domain. They want their main domain to be this new Weebly site. And, I'm technical and I still can't navigate through all this stuff. Just just seeing the weight of all that applied to these people like right now. And it's so easy, you know, even as I've expressed some of this frustration online, it's so easy for people to have, especially technologists, to have pat answers like, oh, well, you just got to, you know, throw a Stripe checkout with a little Stripe JS. And I'm like, you people don't understand. Right. Yeah, these people are scrambling to save their businesses. Don't They don't want to worry about technology. They want to immediately be able to sell online. Exactly. And the mobile checkout experience yeah. for Square, I'm again, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but it is atrocious. It's 17 fields, four different confirmation <sighs> steps. And for me, at least, the save your settings for a future order isn't working. And I've tried on multiple devices and multiple browsers. Huh. And so these things that are broken, it's just making me realize, and me even for us as Transistor now, like when customers call us and sometimes are fr frustrated and and upset, it makes me, I, I have so much more sympathy for that now. Because when you're just a, a lay person trying to navigate your way through this stuff, and you have to update your DNS settings, and you're like trying to figure out what the heck that means and how it actually 
can work. Right. It is it's frustrating and 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 these steps, these hurdles that you have to overcome, they just increase the chances that you're going to give up or yeah, just give, give up. Right, right. And it's just been heartbreaking. It's been heartbreaking to see that a lot of these things are fixable. And even if it even if the, these store these shops going online doesn't save the business, it's just even just giving people hope for a day or a week, you know? Yeah, what worries me is like I mean this stuff is just starting to happen, right? But places have just closed down and it will in all likelihood last for a while and I I'm a little worried that people are going to get burn out by it. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be this fatigue of I don't know, trying to help these places out. Mm-hmm. Like I think you saw this after yeah. after the uh the election in the US with Trump, right? He won and you saw this immediate um outpouring of donations to to certain uh like foundations or whatever mm-hmm. charities that would that would sort of like help mitigate some of the stuff that he wanted to undo or all these policies he wanted to do. Yeah. But that that didn't last that long because I think people ended up just getting so tired of of just the constant bad news. Yeah. Just getting a <laughs> shout out to Good News Podcast. Right, exactly. So you think people are going to get lose steam? Well, yeah, I think they're going to lose steam. I think there's also going to be a lot of like just people going a little stir crazy by being inside. Yeah. I mean, like how often can you really order delivery or takeout? Yeah. Probably can't afford it that often. Yeah, no, I... It, I I agree. Um, I'm still fired up right now, so I'm trying to keep as much of this momentum as I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I I see the writing on the wall for sure, and I think what gets me even more fired up is just looking at all of these. I think when we rebuild, there's going to be an opportunity to have a long, hard look at how our societal norms are set up how our government policy is enacted, how our uh, healthcare systems are structured, and how our our commerce is structured. And yeah, there's going yeah, I mean it- to be like, what's killing me right now is that Amazon <laughs> is making bucket loads of money right now. While local shops are going out of business... And it's just so clear, like, how many people were actually employed by these local businesses, you know? Like, we always kind of just brush that aside. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, there has to be some assistance from the governments to help out with these small businesses. And I just am, at least in the U.S., not super confident that that's going to happen. Um, and, but that is, like, that. that is what drives the economy because you have all these people making salaries and working in these small businesses that like maybe you get overseen and they're the ones obviously buying stuff and going out to eat. And yeah. So if you get, if you remove all of that, it just, I, I don't know. It just, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. <laughs> well, and, but here's the, here's what makes me hopeful or at least, um, yeah, here's what makes me hopeful is that I can imagine a society that looks different after this. And we are going to have to make those decisions. Like those decisions are getting made right now. Are we going to bail out big megacorps or are we going to petition our government to send that assistance to small business? So that's 
like the government policy side. There's also a technology side to this, which is, it's clear, like in a crisis, it's, that's when you notice if you're, the platforms that you've built uh, are sturdy. (laughs) And to me, it seems like these e-commerce platforms and, um, you know, the way we've organized the technology is breaking right now because it it's just it's not designed to work effectively and i can imagine a future where let's say let's just take square as an example if square had an a way of opting in to a network so if i go to order um a screwdriver from my local hardware store and they don't have it Square automatically recommends another store in my area that does have it and offers free delivery to that place. That's a relatively simple technological fix. It's a platform decision. And you can see how those kinds of network effects would actually make small business stronger. If there was a competitor to Amazon and and a way of like if I could go on uh, a website not we- not Amazon.com and I could search for again screwdriver something that maybe I would have just ordered from Amazon previously and all of there's all these networked local stores in my area that are there that I can order from easily and then yeah. if there's a way in cities for us to figure out delivery so that the delivery is faster and more efficient than Amazon. Because these people have stock locally, but we're ordering from a warehouse in where, I don't know, where are their warehouses? Minnesota or something? Every, er, everywhere. Um, we're ordering from some <laughs> warehouse in, you know, everywhere. A network of stores with stock become a lot more powerful than some uh, individual shopkeeper that's just trying to keep his head above water. And there's a way to to network these stores together and make them stronger as a whole and actually compete with Amazon. Because cus- customers, you and I, and everybody else in the world, we're always going to take the shortest, easiest path, right? And right now mm-hmm. that's Amazon. Like I've ordered stuff from Amazon in the past two weeks because I, yeah. I had to order these little security cameras because my office was getting broken into. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Sorry, that's a a little bit of an impassioned rant, but there's no reason that those little security cameras that I ordered, those might not be in stock somewhere locally. And think about, instead of shipping it all the way from, again, I don't know where the closest warehouse is to me, but let's say it's five hours away. There's there's a, a possible future where there's just like this efficient green electric transportation that we've enabled in our cities that can get goods to people faster than Amazon can. That's the kind of world I want to live in. You know, I want to live in a world where Jeff Bezos doesn't make more money from a crisis. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've ordered from Amazon. It's just because it's the easiest thing to do because I know it's going to have things. Yeah. Yeah. But, Um, but, and so far their advantage has been the platform because they've, they had right. all this money and they could create all this distribution and 
you know, they haven't given dividends to shareholders in a long time. And maybe they gave a little bit last year, but it, it, they, they would just kept reinvesting all of this venture capital money and then all this public shareholder money in building this crazy infrastructure that nobody else can compete with. But, mm-hmm. but there is a f- future world where maybe Shopify does this or Square does this or maybe they all band together and say, you know what, we're going to create some sort of open source network for, these, for us to have uh, the, the best inventory, the best prices, and the fastest delivery on the planet. Yeah, that still really only works for cities of a decent size. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, again, it, th- theoretically, if you can reveal, like if you're a farmer in in Wetaskiwin, you ever been to Wetaskiwin? Never. Sounds lovely. <laughs> Wetaskiwin, Alberta. If you're a farmer in Wetaskiwin, uh, and you know, the closest the closest city is probably two or three hours away. It still might be more efficient, especially environmentally, for you to order something and it says, oh, it's, there's, there's one in Calgary and two in Edmonton, and we can ship it via Canada Post uh, overnight for this price. Maybe that's where the government policy comes in. Like, maybe... Like maybe Amazon can't keep subsidizing the cost of postage to run everyone else out of business. I don't know. Yeah, my yeah, I just, I'm my concern is that they're going to be the only ones left standing after this, and it's going to be just really sad if you can walk around the city and nothing's open. You can't go out to eat, and all you can do is like order from Amazon food yeah. delivery or yeah, the, the, all of all of Bezos's drones just flying around delivering you stuff. Yeah. I mean that is like some serious dystopian future that exactly, and this is why I think um, part of me, even all of this hurts, and to be honest, I'm pretty naive still because you know people I know are going to get sick, and people I know might even die, and that's going to be super hard, and you know, uh, I, I I was listening to uh, we have. Uh, some folks on Transistor, Ivy and Dan, uh, I think their last name is Meehan. They have a they have a podcast called Local, and they were talking through you know how their first response to this was to do the same thing I'm doing, which is like reach out and help everybody. And uh, they were trying to help people get online and try to buy gift certificates, and and then they both had their hours reduced. And I think mm-hmm. in Ivy's case, completely. And so there, and Dan works for uh, an event startup. And so they're not doing super hot. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait. And they went into a little self, some self preservation mode, right? Right. So I realized that wave might be coming and that might be coming for you and I too. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say what's going to happen. But while I still have this feeling burning in me, I want it recorded somewhere so that maybe it 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 puts a fire in all of our bellies at some point to say it's we've got to do it different and we yeah. can we can imagine a world and it might be a completely different paradigm like i said like maybe every town center has like i said like a delivery depot that is 
that's not it's not run by Uber or Grubhub or any of those other people. This is Delivery Depot, and it's got all these high efficiency, high highly efficient electric vehicles. You know, electric bikes and electric cars and whatever. And they're just zipping around town all day delivering goods. And maybe it coordinates with, you know, shipping companies and everything else. And we get we anything that needs to go further can go further. But there's a there's a world where something like that could work. Yeah. And there's a world where instead of independent shops having to do everything themselves, there's a network of shops where they have strength in numbers. And if I search for a bike part, you know, at my local shop's store and they don't have it, they can immediately recommend another store in town that does. Because currently what happens if, you know, a local place doesn't have it, I just go to Amazon. But if we can, if we can surface all of this stuff, you know, that, that it's already in our town or it's already close by. Yeah. It has to be basically just as convenient and just as exactly, which is what just as affordable. Which is why I think us technologists have a role to play here, because like bad checkout experiences, we can fix that, <laughs> right? Like we we have we have examples of yeah good- yeah that's true. I I don't know. I get I get pretty yeah I get pretty pessimistic on that stuff though. It's just like a bunch of people saying they want to change the world and then. Mm-hmm. But they're really only in it to make money. Yeah. Off their venture capital. It's just like I Yeah. Well that's I that's know. why I I don't <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily know if this needs to be venture driven. But Right. But if it's gonna be started if something like that's gonna happen in the US, it's gonna be someone who's gonna wanna make a bunch of money on it. Mm-hmm. Like unless something drastic changes. Well, but this might be the time where it does, right? Maybe. We'll see. It'll probably happen locally first. Like restaurants are going to band together and go, okay, next time this cannot happen. Like we've got to figure this out. And they'll be like, oh. Yeah. And again, like, yeah. we're. T- I mean, we're talking about the US and Canada mostly, which I think there's, there's certainly other countries in the world that have been preemptively doing a better job of this, of protecting these businesses. And yeah. like the government is actually stepping in saying we're going to pay employees of your business like 75 percent of their of their of of their wage until this is over because it's worse it's worse and more expensive for us for these businesses to fail than it is for us to just pay money yeah yeah i mean canada has announced some stuff that i think will be helpful but i think there needs to be more on that front for sure and i just don't i don't see that happening in the u.s right now with who's in charge because see, this is this is the hard thing that's hard about talking to you, John. Because I, I get these hopeful Canadian uh, <laughs> spurts yeah. of energy. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to crush your dreams. <laughs> uh, uh, what? Yeah. What else should we talk about? We haven't been able to work much. Yeah, I mean, we're you know trying to get whatever we can done. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. doing customer support. But I think you, know, you see a lot of the stuff online of people being like, "Oh, are you new to are you new to working at home?" Working from home, here's how best to adapt to it. But also, these are sort of weird times, and it's okay if you're not productive right now, even if you have been experienced working at home, because it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Nobody can just really sit at home and focus on work and not think about this other stuff happening. Yeah, I mean, and you, you and I have had 
had a remote company from the beginning, but there's nothing about this that's normal. I'm, you know, I, I moved all my stuff back home, um, partly because no one was downtown anymore. And so we had a break in or an attempted break in at our office just because it's easier for people to kind of take advantage of that. And I was like, ah, I gotta, yeah, I gotta bring my gear home. You know, we're obviously there's two of us and we can make our own rules, but it's nice to not have either one of us being like, oh, we got all this free time and all this time to just let's crank, crank out some code and really focus on this software. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, you know, it's probably an important thing for other managers and owners to relay to their employees of like, it's okay if you're not a hundred percent productive right now mm-hmm. or even 50, 50%, like, yeah, just give give your employees a little bit of breathing room. I think this is going to, I mean, already there's been a lot of people talking about how to be recession proof and it's kind of a weird time to talk about that because people are hurting and losing their jobs. And yeah, I, please, if, if there are, any government officials listening to this, please take care of people. Like, I know this is a huge problem. Like there's Goldman Sachs is predicting that 2.2 million people will apply for unemployment insurance in the U S this week, like like this, this week. And this past week, 500,000 Canadians applied for employment insurance. Yeah. That's amazing. And that, is probably mostly from these small businesses and restaurants and service industry, mm-hmm. like places that have just closed down. And like, it's amazing how fast it happened. It was like something like, it, well, movie theaters. Yeah. Saw some number of like movie theater tends dropped 97% in like a few days, which makes sense. But yeah, but like, God, that's just like devastating. It's so devastating. It, that, this is why, in some ways, it it uh, it uh, shoot. I, I can only think of this. It, it behooves us. Is that a, is that a word? Oh, yeah, it's a, it's I, a word. I didn't want to say it, but okay. It behooves us <laughs> to actually think about how we can make our businesses and economies recession proof, because clearly it has an impact on people. Yeah. Obviously, not every business is going to be recession proof. And obviously, like, this is why it has to, there has to be three pillars in our society, and it feels like we've ignored two of them. I think the three pillars are capitalism, so people starting businesses, all that stuff, that we need that for society to run. Government, good governance, and, you know, we can talk about whether there's been that or not. And then the one we're really missing is that third pillar, which is, associations and um nonprofits and like those those kind of organizations in the past had a big effect on societal change uh labor unions might be a good example uh like labor unions have lost almost all of their power this isn't a comment on whether those should exist or not but we definitely need organizations like like labor unions that stand up for people in society. Yeah, I think that should be the government. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's why we need it. We need it has to be a triangle, I think. It can't just be cuz if it's just government and businesses, 
because the businesses are hiring all these lobby groups and stuff. And so they're pretending to be that third pillar. But I think we need like a genuine third pillar that's holding the other two to account. They should all be like in tension with each other. You know, the government, the the government should be pulling back on businesses saying, oh, well, hold on. You can't, you can't just dump your oil, your dirty oil in the river. Sorry. Right. Like that's the government's job. And uh, the labor unions are maybe not, but the, the nonprofits and these other kind of third party associations need to be looking at both. You know, the Canadian Taxpayers of Feder- Federation is one of these in Canada and saying, mm-hmm. hold up, government, we want you to be a- accountable for the money that you're getting from taxes. And at the same time, business, you need to pay your taxes. Like they're, they're looking at both of them, right? I know for me, the feeling I have now, and we'll see if this sticks around, is that I want to be got, get more involved in both, you know? Like, I've actually written my, my member of parliament letters this week. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly just an exit. Like, who, right now they're in chaos, so it doesn't matter. Like, they're, they're, they don't have time to read. But, but getting in the practice of saying, you know what? No, I need to write a letter and at least try something right now. And right. And also maybe we need to in our local neighborhoods and our local places maybe we need to form more organizations, more more associations, right? Like maybe you need to form the Chicago SAS Owners Association just so that locally there's uh, a group of people who all are doing the same thing, who, you know, want to hold um, the government to account or, you know, work together to make business better. Right. Like there's the, it, it feels like one of the things that's kind of come out of all this is that we are, we were already isolated before this. <laughs> like now we're in, isolation but we were really isolated before everyone was kind of like in their lane just taking care of themselves taking care of their own business build your SaaS. this has shown me that it can't be that way it's there's got to be more i've already seen that happen in chicago anyway with uh restaurant owners and chefs they all banded together and sort of wrote they they recorded videos and and these they had this prepared statement to like actually send to the governor of Illinois to be like, Hey, we need, like, we need help. Mm-hmm. Or, so that's, I mean, in some respects it's happening informally, yeah. but. Well, that's good. Um, that, 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 I think that it should encourage us that people are banding together because the, 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 the opposite option is just fatalistic. Is <laughs> it the, we either like, we either say, yeah, you know what? We're going to band together and we're going to fight this together. Otherwise, we just all stay in our homes alone and, you know, right. like, th- those are the options. And, and then Bezos wins. Like, I, <laughs> I, that, that's not the world I want to live in. I, I think this is the time for us to be thinking, how can we be forming meaningful associations locally, online, um, like Mega Maker, this little Slack group I run has become so valuable 
in this time, like just feeling connected mm-hmm. with people all over the world. I can talk to people in Italy and actually know what's going on there. I can talk to people in Spain and get a, a real life, like, here's what's happening here right now. I can see how this is affecting people all over the world and we can talk about it. We, we're going to need way more of that in the future. And, um, yeah, definitely. That's, this is the time to, yeah. And when this is over, like, you know, that retreat we did with Darby and Shay, like those are the things I think that need to happen. Like we need more of that in the future. We, We need less of, especially in technology, less like, hotshot entrepreneur raises a bunch of money by himself and does this thing. Like we need less of that. We need, and we also need less of the bootstrappers who are just building stuff by themselves in their basement to, to like have any sort of meaningful resilience. I think we're going to need uh cooperation and collaboration and association with other people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it has been interesting. Like, even the last week, I've talked to friends and family more than I have uh, normally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see if that keeps up. But everyone's just been staying at home and realizing they're like, oh, man, I really miss people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, like, thinking, because this disease affects older people so much, I just think about my parents a ton. Yeah. Um, Although I think we're learning that it does, in fact also affect yeah. younger people yeah. pretty pretty yeah. badly so yeah some of that uh, one more thing before we go is i don't know if you've experienced this but it's been super weird to see like what were previously really toxic platforms like twitter facebook and instagram it in this crisis they were actually kind of helpful <laughs> yeah i mean i know some people got burnt out and stressed out by like constantly refreshing twitter but overall I feel like as toxic as those platforms were beforehand, there's something about them that's been helpful in this time. Um, have you experienced that or no? Right. I mean, it does. It does give you. It does give you a sense of connection when you can't physically connect with people. That's that's for sure. Yeah, but it, it's almost like it. It they transformed or something. Like it's different. It's different because I hated Facebook before. Like I was barely on it and I find myself on it every day and, and it's, it's just changed. It's, it's way less toxic on there. It, um, Interesting. I haven't, I haven't really been on there, so I can't really speak to that, but there is, uh, have you been on Twitter or anything or no? I mean, I, yeah, but mostly just for like news. I mean, it's just, I think I, feel like there's more credible things happening there from people I sort of trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you obviously get the news a little faster. And Yeah. Um, well, and also, but that's also it, really. as an agent of change, maybe this is what's been significant because we've really had to see pe- a lot of people change their behavior. And we're all like reticent to change our behavior as humans. And I've heard a lot of people say, you know what, if it wasn't people for people on Twitter kind of saying, you know, like, no, this is real and these are the actions I'm taking, a lot of people have said, well, I wouldn't have done anything. I, I would have just kept believing right. that this was not a big deal. 
And so there's something about that that's interesting in this time of... Uh, actually, um, Ali and Tamor's podcast, uh, Not Overthinking, he expressed that exact thing. He's like, they, they were asking each other when they started taking this seriously. And mm-hmm. he was like, well, I, I started taking it seriously as soon as people on Twitter I respected started saying it was a big deal, <laughs> you know? And <sighs> there's something about that that is significant, I think. It can obviously be used for uh, bad stuff, but overall it's been interesting that the actual effect of this, even though there are you know, some people who still are saying this isn't a big deal and pushing it the other way, it's amazing like how actually good the information coming out of those platforms has been compared to other times in our history. Like, you know, it's certainly better than the U.S. election. Like the the actual quality of the news and the information is is good. And, you know, like I saw there's this one, there's a lot of tech bros posting Medium posts about like, you know, their, their predictions about the, about, about this uh, epidemic and stuff. Right. And, but then there's real epidemiology, epidemi, can you help me with this? Epidemiologists. Epidemiologists. Uh, yeah. There's real people like that. Right. Yeah. Those are the who ones are taking, who are read. taking those people down and you get the information faster as opposed to just reading something and going, oh, it's like this really resonates with me. But then having someone immediately take it down and go, no, this isn't, and to Medium's credit, they've been removing uh, inaccurate blog posts. So yeah, I don't know. It's just been interesting. I don't know if anyone else has found that. I, 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 I'll find it. There's a, I think it was a New York Times opinion piece about how the, this one person, the, the author was finding Facebook helpful in this time, and it was surprising. Sorry, was, that, was, I, was I too much there? <laughs> I, uh, I got... No, you got to get it out of your system. I got it out. Did you, did you, is there anything you still need to get out of your system? Uh, not, not really. Just, uh, you know, basically taking it a day at a time at this point. Mm-hmm. So I hope everyone is, you know, staying safe, washing your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Staying home if you can. Have, have... Staying home, have people to talk to. Yeah. I think it's going to be uh, an interesting few months. <laughs> if this was helpful for folks, like if it's helpful listening to us just kind of ramble, uh, if this gives you any sort of, I don't know, sense of normalcy or I don't, if it's helpful, let us know because uh, we don't have to record episodes during this time. Um, we'd be happy to take a break too if, it, if it's not helpful. Uh, John, let's give a shout out to our amazing Patreon supporters. Uh, yeah. Thank you as always to all of our supporters on Patreon. Um, we have Diogo, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borja Soler, Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Freddie Yumna Schimbecker, Noah Prail, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Krakovic, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett, Michael Sitfer, Paul Jarvis, Jack Ellis, Dan Buda, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta, Junta. and Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. And actually one more, uh, Sophia Quintero. Thanks, Sophia. 
Everyone, have nice. a great week. Stay safe, and we love you. Talk to you later. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.